16. Romans chapter 16. Someone already asked me this morning, will we, will we conclude Romans today? And the answer is no. My um, plan is for next Sunday to be our last Sunday in Romans. Um, sadly, I've enjoyed this study and I hope you have as well. Um, I would like to just preach through Romans again. That's how much I enjoy it, but we won't. We'll do something different for 2022, but um, I, hope we'll, I hope we'll do it faithfulness or we'll do it justice the next two weeks as we kind of bring this to a conclusion. But if you found Romans 16, um, say word. You'll notice as I begin to read this, it's a list of a lot of names, kind of familiar, kind of similar to what we see in the first part of Matthew with the genealogy of Jesus or some of those Old Testament lists of names. And uh, I know I've said it before from here that, that every part of the Bible is important, even those lists of names. And this is important as well, of course. And so you bear with me as I butcher some of these names in my pronunciation. But um, we're going to read verses 1 through 24. And so here we go. I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Centuria, that she receive her in the Lord as becometh saints, and that she assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. For she hath been a secure of many, and of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my well-beloved Apennetus, who is the firstfruits of Achaia unto Christ. Greet Mary, has a freebie right there. Greet Mary, who bestowed much labor on us. Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Salute Urbane, our helper in Christ, and Sacchus, my beloved. Salute Apelles, approved in Christ, salute them which are of Aristobulus' household. Salute Herodian, my kinsman. Greet them that be of the household of Narcissus, which are in the Lord. Salute Tophina and Tophosa, who labor in the Lord. Salute the beloved Persis, which labored much in the Lord. Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Salute Asyncratus. Phlegon, Hermas, Patrobas, Hermes, and their brethren which are with them. Salute Philologus and Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints which are with them. Salute one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ greet you. I heard some of y'all snickering at my pronunciation. 
Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. For they are such, for they are they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own bellies. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I'm glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I would have have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Keep going. 21 through 24. Timothy, my work fellow, and Lucius, and Jason, and Sosipater, my kinsmen, salute you. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, salute you in the Lord. Gaius, mine host, and of the whole church, saluteth you. Erastus, the chamberlain of the city, saluteth you. And Cordus, a brother. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. I want to work through this and just give you some background on it. And also, I hope and pray, my prayer for us this morning is that we'll see not only the history here, but we'll get some application as well. And because and anytime we study the Word, we want to ask, what's the Bible say? What's the Bible mean? And how does that impact my life? How does that affect us today? And I think you'll see that even this list of names and these greetings will impact us as, as believers. The first thing I want you to notice is that in verses 1 and 2, um, the Apostle Paul gives us these personal greetings specifically around this one lady, and he says there in verse 1 that he commends her. Now, I want you to think about that word commend, which is to approve someone or to give praise to someone. It's to, to, you can think about like to recommend something or recommend someone, and that would be a very important thing for Paul to say, hey, church, there's someone coming to you, and you need to know I give them my recommendation or my commendation. I, I'm telling you, church, this person is legit. This person is a Christian. This person deserves good treatment. And there's two reasons why it's important for Paul to write this here at the end of this letter. The first reason is that traveling Christians had needs. In Paul's day, as, and, and Paul was one of these, but as Christians traveled from city to city, from place to place, and oftentimes Christians weren't received well, they had needs. Some of them were not well off financially as well, and so they had needs of places to stay, of people to help provide for them in their travels. And um, you can read about that, I think, in, in part in Acts. But uh, just thinking about this, I've experienced this myself in ministry. Uh, one time we were driving from North Mississippi down to, to Law, to, to, I guess for a holiday or something, and we broke down in Lauderdale. There's a gas station there in Lauderdale. Some of you are familiar with that, right off 45. There's a Dollar General and that gas station. I can't remember what it is now. And we broke down and we're like, well, what are we going to do? My dad's an hour away or whatever, you know. And so we kind of put the word out. I think maybe even on Facebook. Hey, we're stranded in Lauderdale. And just somebody we knew from up north had their mom who lived right there by that gas station. And the lady came, she picked us up, she took us to her house. She had like a goat farm. And so the kids were out there playing, you know, with the, with the goats. And uh, I mean, she offered us food and drink and just like, just took care of us. She didn't know us, but someone had called her and commended us and said, hey, take care of these people for a little while until they can get help. 
And that's happened to us on, on multiple occasions. And I was even thinking about my grandfather, who uh, for 25 years, um, he was a businessman, but he also did ministry where he would travel and help start new churches. He would help financially and also just go to these different places in Mississippi and other states. And he's told me time and time again stories of going to these places and not staying in a hotel, but staying with, with preachers or with church members who would put them up and, and take care of them. And that's not something that just started in his lifetime or my lifetime, right? Paul says here, I commend Phoebe to you. I want you to take care of, of her. Another reason this will be important for Paul to do this is that there were people who would try to take advantage of the church's generosity. People that might come into cities and say, I'm a Christian, you know, I'm going to take some of this, this, the free generosity these people are giving and under the false pretense of being a Christian. And Paul wants them to know, hey, this lady here that he mentions named Phoebe is, again, as I said earlier, she's legit. Take care of her. Well, who was Phoebe? The only place she's mentioned in Scripture is here. And I think this is interesting. Most scholars believe she's actually the one who, who delivered this letter to the church in Rome. That's a pretty important job, right? Paul had this letter written and given to her, and most believe she's the one that delivered it to them. And he calls her there in verse 1, look at it, a servant. That is the word diakonos, which is the word we get the word deacon from, which is to be a servant of God, right? And, and she was clearly, in the church she came from, a servant of God. And he says, this lady Phoebe is a servant. You need to, verse 2, receive her in the Lord as it becomes saints and assist her in whatever she needs. Paul says, she's been good to us and to me. You need to be good to her. Let's move on. There's other greetings here. Really, I'm just going to put together verses 3 through 16 in one chunk, and we see all these other greetings that Paul gives these people uh, that, are, that are there in Rome. And um, as I try to study these names and who these people are, even you know the scholars I read after, didn't always know who some of these people are. And so we just don't know about all of them. And so I'll try to give you quickly some just some thoughts on these people. First, we do know about the first couple, verse 3, uh, Aquila and Priscilla, this husband and wife ministry team. And Paul met them on his uh, second missionary journey in Acts 18. And these people, if you remember, were tent makers like Paul. And they were servants of Christ. And they, he said there in the verse, right, in verse 4, they even laid down their own necks. They put their necks on the line for Paul. These are a, this is a couple that um, really served the Lord in, in, a, in a sacrificial way, who are willing to go very far for Christ and to assist uh, Paul. Something else interesting about them, it mentions in verse 5, greet the church that is in their house. You probably know this, but in this time, there was not church facilities like we have today, and they met in homes. So they would meet there for worship and, and, and prayer and Bible study and, or in study of the doctrine. And so this people, this, this couple, talk about a power couple. This is one in, fa in the faith who served the Lord, risked their lives, and invited people into their homes to worship. Um, likely means they probably had, you know, they did well for themselves and was able to share that with others. Verse 5 mentions the guy Epinetus, who I can find nothing much about. So we don't know much about him. Verse 6, we, we see a lady named Mary. Again, that's a common name. We don't really know who this Mary is. But it says in verse 6 that she worked hard for the gospel. She spent much time laboring for the gospel. Verse 7, the first two names there, some people believe that is another couple, another married couple. Others think it's just uh, some people. But 
either way, it says in verse 7, Paul says, These people were my fellow prisoners, and they are of note among the apostles. So these people had either been in prison with Paul or been in prison at another time, and he calls them fellow prisoners. These people had, um, they were known to the apostles, so clearly they had done some work for Christ. And it says they were in Christ before even Paul. And so, again, I wish I knew more about some of these people, but we just, we just don't. Verse 8 and 9, he gives us a few more names. And um, some of these names in verses 8 and 9 and even following are actually slaves or former slaves. As best I can tell in some of my study, they're either slaves or former slaves. Verse 10, uh, he talks about this guy, Apollos, who is a, who's approved in Christ. But again, we don't know much about him except that he was you know, clearly a Christian, clearly someone Paul wanted to, wanted to greet and commend. Um, it talks about the family of Aristobulus here. And some believe, if you see there in verse 10, that this man was uh, a Christian who had died, and he's saying salute his household. There are also people who believe he was a non-Christian whose family was a Christian. I don't know about that. But regardless, uh, there are people in that home that were Christians. Verse 11 and 12, here we see some other people who served the Lord. He wanted to greet. Some of these, again, might have been slaves. Um, some of these, by the way, are ladies as well. Sometimes it's hard to know some of these names are men or women, but uh, some of these are ladies as, as well. Verse 13, he mentions to greet Rufus. Um, I found this very interesting. Do you remember the man who helped carry Jesus' cross part of the way to Calvary? Remember that man, Simon of Cyrene? Many people believe this Rufus is Simon of Cyrene's son. And I don't, I don't know if that clearly can be completely proven, but many scholars believe that's him. Clearly, he also had a mother who served the Lord and was apparently good to Paul because he says his mother and mine, and mine. So she clearly was a lady who, who did a lot um, for, for Christ. Uh, verse 15, again, this is another a passage in verse 15 where people believe those first two are husband and wife um, who serve the Lord together. And again, just he mentions, and I like how he says it in verse 15, and all the saints which are with them. I kind of wish he'd have just said that in the first place. But but again, he, he God thought it important to write these things down, and so that's what happened. Verse 16, and this is always such an interesting verse, to greet one another with a holy kiss. Uh, this verse will be hard to apply during COVID, right? Or even for most of us now, because I'm not kissing any of y'all, no offense. Um, except one, except one. But, but of course, we understand this is a cultural thing, right? Like even today, there's some parts of the world you go to and they'll do the, the kiss on the cheek or whatever. And so um, that's a cultural thing. And I'm thankful we don't have that culture here, personally. Because um, I don't want to get that close to people's faces. And so what do we take from this? What do we take from these first 16 verses? I want to give you two lessons, two main lessons that I can just apply to us. The first one is this. Paul was not a Lone Ranger ministry or missionary. He was not a Lone Ranger missionary. Now, Paul was a man used by God, wasn't he? If you were to make a list of people in the Bible who are used by God in a great way, he would be near the top of that list. He's got to be top five, top ten, something. He, he's up there. Yet, we see in this text, he knew that other people helping in the ministry was important. He was not a Lone Ranger missionary. And it reminds us as Christians, if Paul needed other people to help in his journey, in his ministry, how much more do I need other people? How much more do you need other 
people. We do, don't we? We need other people. I mentioned to you the other day that Paul needed, he asked for prayers. And I said, how much more do we need prayers if he needed prayers? Well, how much more do we need the fellowship of other believers if we are to follow Christ the way we, we want to? I have this list here. Um, I want to read this list very quickly to you. Um, and this is not something I came up with, but I read this in a, from another pastor. But I like this. He, he talked about Lone Ranger Christians. And he said, and I'm going to give these to you very quickly, but he said, Lone Ranger Christians risk alienating themselves from Christ because they do not join to the body of Christ, and so they may not truly know Christ. Number two, he said, Lone Rangers risk losing their own souls. What he means by that is, again, if we're not around the church family, at some point we, we should, listen to this, if we're not connected to the church family, at some point, we should be doubting our salvation because it's around the context of the church family where we understand what it means to be a Christian. Again, it's very important to not be a Lone Ranger Christian. The third one he says is um, um, they risk the hazard of their own spiritual health. Lone Ranger Christians risk the hazard of their own spiritual health. Man, we need each other. We need the church for teaching and for instruction and for encouragement. I was talking to a pastor friend this week. And he was telling me that he has three or four pastor friends who meet together. And I, I, they're not even all pastors. I think one or two are pastors, a couple other are just guys from their church. But they meet together for coffee and just to talk. And he said that in the past year and a half, that's been like the greatest thing, the greatest help for his life. Have this group of men he can sit with and just talk about family and, and church and the Bible. And, and we also get that kind of thing here with the church. And we talk about it. Now, Nick and I talk about it a lot. Wednesday night is a great place for that where we discuss the truths and, and get to know each other better, and, and we need that. Number four, um, long-ranger Christians, he said here, um, develop accountability. And so without it, we lose accountability if we're not uh, around and close committed to the church. Number five, and I've already said this, but number five, long-ranger Christians risk weakening their own assurance. Number six, they jeopardize their perseverance. Number seven, they might lead others away from the flock if they're not connected to the flock. Number eight, they they hinder the vitality of the local church. We said this we said this repeatedly in this mess in this series here at the end of it, but we need to be a part of the church, not only for us, but for others as well. Number nine, they jeopardize their own spiritual maturity. We need the church to help us grow. And number ten, they distort their own witness. Does that hurt somebody's witness if they don't go to church? It really does, right? Unless they have a good reason. You know, there's some reasons like sickness or, you know, homebound and things like that. But I've, I've gone witnessing before, like door-to-door -door type stuff. You ever done that before? You knock on the door and somebody comes out and you start talking to them about Christianity. And I'll say, oh, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. Like, oh, that's, that's awesome. Like, what church do you go to? Well... Know, like, I, I don't go to church, or the, I've had them say before, I go to First Baptist. Oh, yeah, what's, how's your, how's your, what's that preacher's name again? They're like, uh, uh, you don't know the preacher's name? You at least need to know the preacher's name. Um, but that's not a good witness, is it? We should be able to say, hey, I'm a proud member of Caledonia Baptist Church, and we're not perfect, but we're trying to serve the Lord together. And so Paul teaches us, I believe, with all these lists of names and these lists of greetings and these commendations, he teaches us 
not to be Lone Ranger Christians. And there might be some people in our church who may not be here today who are maybe even drifting toward this mindset if they haven't already. And I hope and pray we can pray for them and reach out to them and bring them back into the fold. Um, not for us only, but for everybody, for the Lord's glory and for them and for the church as a whole. Number two, another lesson that, that I just I jotted down from here is notice how all kinds of people make an impact in ministry. Did y'all notice that in that list? I mean, you do. I mean, God uses all kinds of people to accomplish his purposes. That's just a fact. Old Testament and New Testament, all types of people. In this list alone, we see, I, I think there's at least nine ladies mentioned, plus some men. There are slaves, probably former slaves. There are people that are well-off financially, also some who were slaves, so clearly they weren't well-off financially. All kinds of different people mentioned here by Paul who served the Lord. And one, I just want to mention this because we're here. Um, the church should never be, um, and I'm not saying we are, by the way, but the church should never be a, a, a sexist place. Or the, Christianity is not sexist. It's not disrespectful to women. True Christianity is not. From Old Testament to New Testament, we see instances of ladies doing great things for God. Now, I do believe in complementarianism, which means God gives men certain roles and ladies certain roles. It doesn't mean that any, we're both still equal in God's eyes, men and ladies, um, equal in importance and in value, but God does give us different roles to do and, and ways to serve, and that's how God has assigned it. But make no mistake about it, ladies do just as much as men do in the church, oftentimes more, right? I've seen churches where the ladies have to step up and do everything because some men won't. I've seen that before. And it shouldn't be that way. Men should step up and do their, do their roles. But, man, ladies, some of, the most, some of the greatest prayer warriors I know are ladies. Some of the greatest teachers in the church I've seen before as far as teaching other ladies is, are some ladies. And some of the greatest servants are certainly ladies. And so I want to mention that here. And you know, I'm not a feminist or anything, but I do want it to be made known in our church that um, we value our ladies, and we know y'all do a lot. Um, and so I just want to make sure we said that here because he, he mentions them. Paul, Paul, even with Phoebe, starting there, he mentions these, these ladies that do a lot for Christ. And again, all kinds of people have an important role in ministry. Let's look at verses 17 through 20, and it's an interesting transition here. I found this interesting. Because if you, if you kind of look back, even if you just flip back through your Bible right now and look at some of the headings, maybe if your Bible has headings, I don't see a lot about false teachers. There's not really a lot, unless I've just overlooked it, about false teachers in the church, in the church at Rome, who are, who are bringing the church down. I, just don't, I didn't see much there as I tried to look back. But now all of a sudden, in verse 17, he, he makes this, this appeal to them, and he says, Mark those which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine. In other words, he gives them this warning to look out for false teachers, and he doesn't identify them. He doesn't say, he doesn't call them by name. Watch out for this guy, he's a false teacher. He doesn't do that. 
but he does give a, a characterization of what they will be like, and I think it's because the false teachers may not have even been there yet, but Paul knew they were on their way, or they would arise in that church. And to me, that's an amazing, a great warning for us to know, even in our church, where I believe there are many folks in here who are solid biblical, have biblical knowledge, even in our church, there's a danger of people that could come in and try to lead us astray. That's why we have a doctrinal statement. That's why we hold firm to the scriptures. And we must not let that happen. That's also why we don't let just anybody come in and speak up here, by the way. I have had people in, in the past two years, you know, kind of come in and want to talk to me and want to try to get up and speak in front of you. And I've, I'm just very hesitant about that unless I really know them and know what they believe and know things like that. Because we must be careful to protect pulpit and the doctrine that's preached from our pulpit and so um, yeah I mean I think we all agree there at the same time there are good Baptist churches I know well good Baptist churches I know that have allowed false teachers in a sense to creep in and lead people astray so it's happened and sometimes it's very subtle and that's how a lot of false teachers are they some of them maybe unintentionally maybe it's their own ignorance but many of them I think are subtle in how they how they are able to bring in these different uh, beliefs. Notice what he says here. I kind of said it this way. Um, the false teachers divide and deceive. They divide and deceive. They, they seek to bring division. They seek to deceive others. And he says here they need to be noted and avoided. They need to be noted and avoided. Now, in our church, anyone is welcome, right? Anyone is welcome. But if someone were to come in and begin to try to teach others false teachings that were clearly against what we believe as Scripture, then it would be our responsibility, right, to call them out and either correct them or bring them to repentance or ask them to not come back. That's just how it should be. Some people are too afraid of hurting feelings, right? But when it comes to the truth of Scripture, sometimes feelings just have to be hurt. <laughs> if someone came in and wanted to teach us, hey, you know what, Christ isn't the only way to heaven, also, this other way is the way to get to heaven. Would we allow that? We couldn't allow that. No, we would say, you must stop teaching that, or you must, you know, you must, we must avoid you according to Scripture here. And so, again, this is very important teachings and a warning for this church at Rome, and it's an important warning for us. Verse 18, why should we avoid these people? Who do they seek to serve? Look at verse 18. Are they serving Christ or themselves? Themselves, yeah seen this before too even in even in you know quote-unquote good churches people that just want to get their own words in their own their own ways across um, and and they're egocentric they're about themselves and uh, I've actually been reading some stuff lately and listening to some podcasts on cult leaders and it's amazing to me that fine line between like cult leaders who are like con artists have you ever, you ever read about those kind of people or watch cult shows it's like how do people fall for that right It'll be like smart, it'll be intelligent, educated, even sometimes wealthy people will fall for some cult thing. Like how do they fall for that? And yet, even in the church, sometimes, sometimes well-educated biblical people can fall for false doctrine when it creeps into the, the church. So again, I just want to encourage us to, as he says in verse 19, he says, your obedience is known. But be wise. Continue to practice, verse 19, wisdom and um, discernment 
in understanding what, what's being taught. Verse 20, and the God of peace, peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Someone, someone wrote about this verse. God will take care of the Satan-inspired heretics that come into your church. If you leave it to God and you, and you work it out, God will take care of Satan-inspired heretics who come into the church. This verse, though, reminded me of an Old Testament verse. How about y'all? Genesis 3.15, when God's giving out the punishment to Adam and Eve and the serpent, and he tells the serpent, I'm going to put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, and he says this, he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. And I'm reminded, I'm reminded of that, that not only will God take care of these false teachers, but he, take, he will take care of Satan ultimately in the end, and all evil, and all false teachers in the end. God will take care of them. This may not even be applicable here, but um, there is victory in Jesus, right? The world is hard. This time of year, I know it's hard for some folks who've had loss and have struggles. But again, I said earlier, let's remind ourselves that God loves us. Let's, let's remind ourselves today we have victory in Christ, no matter what comes our way. He, the God of peace, shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Verses 21 through 27, uh, we see some more greetings here. We know, the, we know verse 21, we know Timothy. We know him and one of Paul's closest, maybe Paul's closest associates who joined him on the beginning of his second missionary journey. Uh, Lucius here was a servant of God. Uh, there are some who believe that Lucius is actually Luke, but uh, most people I read do not believe that. But Jason is someone that we actually saw in Acts as well, Acts 17, I believe, and another man, Sosipater, there who served him as well. Look at verse 22. We see this. And I don't know that I've made this clear enough in our study. But do you realize that Paul actually didn't sit down and write this letter? I don't know if I even made that clear. But this man did. Tertius wrote this epistle. God inspired Paul. Paul, I believe, dictated it to this man. And this man, by the way, Tertius most likely was a slave, or at least a former slave. You know what that word Tertius means? You know what the word tertiary means? You heard this? There's primary, there's secondary, and there's tertiary. So it's like the third or third. And some people say that he was a slave that didn't even have a real name, and they just called him like the third one, Tertius. And even though he might have not been much to the world, it's pretty important to our faith in the sense that God used him to write these very, these, this, what became this book. And so um, I actually think it's kind of neat that Paul's like, you know what, you know, write something, write you, write you a little line in there, Tertius. And he's like, okay, I salute you in the Lord. Verse 23, a man here named Gaius who uh, was a host, and uh, he's saying, Gaius is greeting you. He talks about Erastus, who's a city treasurer, and all these are servants of God who are greeting uh, the church at Rome. Let me give you some final applications. This is certainly a little bit different of a message this morning. It's, you know, uh, I thought it was interesting and, and different trying to study through this. But let me give you these things and are there any major doctrinal teachings in this passage not really you know but there's certainly these four things that I, I, i've drawn from it number one we need to depend on other believers ask yourself this question this morning do i in some way depend on my church family 
Do I depend on my church family for prayer? We should, right? I'm asking you this morning, please pray for me. I, I, I need to depend on your prayers for me. Do we depend on each other for encouragement? I say it all the time, but I need your encouragement so much, and, and you usually give it, and, and, and I hope I can be more encouraging to others as well. We depend on each other for accountability, right? I mean, if, if you miss church a couple of weeks and someone texts you or calls you, you shouldn't take offense to that. You should say, wow, they, they care about me, you know? We need to depend on that accountability. And even if I teach something or preach something or someone even says something to you that might convict you in a way, we need to depend on each other, maybe at some times, for rebuke and correction, which is hard nowadays because, like I said, we don't want to hurt feelings, but do we really truly depend on other believers? I think Paul did. I think he calls the church to do that. Number two, we need to accept various types of people in ministry. Knowing that every member of our church can play some role, right? We all have a part to play in this body of Christ. And um, we never want to be that church that says, that person's too young, they can't do anything. That person's too old, they can't do anything. That person's too rich or too poor or this or that. We want to be that church that says, hey, if you're part of this body, God's put you here for a reason. And we accept that you can serve him as long as it's biblical, right? We accept that. Number three, we need to avoid false teachers. I hope we've done a good job at that, and I hope we'll continue to be aware that that could be a, a danger. Probably the bigger danger for us is not to have false teachers in here, but maybe just people we listen to out there. There are some TV preachers, for example, that you don't really need to listen to unless you're listening to them with discernment. There are some books that you don't need to read unless you're reading it you know, for, with discernment. Um, ben and Jane have bought some books a while back, and brought them to us on Wednesday night, and I was looking through them, and there's some really good books in there, some really good, there's some Bibles and some really good books, but there's some, I was like, oh, we're going to put this in the garbage, you know, because they're just, that whoever had collected those books, and they got them from somebody else, had just had some false teachers in there, you know, that preached prosperity gospel and those types of things, and so it may not always be in here, but in your life out there, uh, I encourage you to test everyone you listen to and read after. And if you need recommendations on who you should read after, I would I have plenty I can give you that have helped me so much. Number four, receive this letter. If nothing else, when I read when I first read this chapter, I thought to myself this. This was a real letter written by a real person at a real place and time to other real people. What was the key word I kept saying there? Real. <laughs> and it's not just for pastors. It's not just for theologians. It's for Christians. And it should be received as such. And though we'll, we'll complete this study next week, I would encourage you at times throughout your Christian journey to go back to Romans periodically or regularly for me chapters 8 and 9 especially chapter 8 especially has been just a it's been a, a, an anchor and a rock for me in difficult times in my life I go to Romans chapter 8 and so I would encourage you to make that a part of your life it's a real letter to real people and speaking of real people 
look at this quote from Charles Spurgeon, and this is our last, our last thing. He wrote this on this passage. He said, these people were like the most of us, commonplace, typo, sorry, commonplace individuals, but they love the Lord. Stop right there. Look at me. I wish people would say that about our church, about us. They're commonplace individuals, but, but they love the Lord. And therefore, as Paul recollected their names, he sent them a message of love which has become embalmed in the Holy Scriptures. Do not let us think of the distinguished Christians exclusively so as to forget the rank and file of the Lord's army. Do not let the eye rest exclusively upon the front rank, but let us love all whom Christ loves. Let us value all Christ's servants. So I hope we'll do that with each other. Love each other, value each other, serve each other. We're real people in a real place too, and we're serving the Lord best we can here. And I hope this will just be a little encouragement to us to just keep going, keep serving Him together.